0: Welcome into another edition of Sportball with Squam, Stogie, and Skulldog. I'm Sam. With me, as always, are my good friends, Seth and Kyle. Guys, how you doing? What's up? What's up?
1: We're doing, baby. We're doing.
0: <laughs> All right. So we have a whole podcast planned out about discussing our three teams that we find most interesting in this new NBA season. But first... Well, actually, but first, let me be frank with you guys right now. Can I be Frank?
2: We already have. I thought your name was Skulldog, not Frank. <laughs> only if I could be Jonathan. <laughs> uh, I'm... Sportball with Frank,
0: Jonathan, and Seth. Seth. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, currently recording this podcast in my underwear, so...
1: Glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's uh, a it's approximately forty five degrees inside my apartment. Uh huh. That being said, I'm also in my underwear.
0: Okay, perfect. So, um, first though, before we get into our teams that we find interesting, we wanted to discuss breaking news from Saturday. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy the Butt Butler, as they call him, has finally been traded. He was traded from the Timberwolves uh, along with Justin Padden in exchange for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, and Jared Bayless from the 76ers. Also a 2022 second-round draft pick. So what are your thoughts, guys?
1: I'd like to start off by telling the story that I saw earlier today on Twitter from sources inside the locker room the day Jimmy got (laughs) traded. So he okayed the deal immediately interrupted the Wolves' practice to say goodbyes. And to Andrew Wiggins, he reportedly said, Cut those fucking braids, you ugly fuck. (laughs) And to Carl Anthony Towns, he uttered, You the only seven-foot bitch I ever met, and added that he was a Dominican Kwame Brown. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Jimmy went straight savage on this team, and I love it. I'm all for it. I don't know why everyone defends him. He's a terrible leader. He's an all-star on a team that was ass.
2: Well, I feel like he's a big reason why they're ass. I mean, it's like a little Uh bit of both. Like when when he tells the owner that they need him to win, it's true. But at the same time, they can't win with him either. Because like you said, Sam, he's a terrible leader. And I, I agree that it's like it seems kind of badass what he does in practice and like how bold he is and everything but i also think like <laughs> those are not good qualities to have in a in a leader in this respect that he's saying those things to his teammates and it's like potentially damaging for Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns <laughs> career and ability to stay mentally tough you know hopefully the Everyone's talking about this as the impact for the Sixers. You know, I want to give a little bit of the take on the Timberwolves. Mm -hmm. Um, But just in general, yeah, I have – my opinion of Jimmy Butler has changed a lot. And I think I would rather not have him on my team regardless of how good he is on the court.
1: My rebuttal to that is though, like – he wasn't a bad leader always. Like when he was with the bulls, that's not how he was. He just had a big falling out with teammates and the management. And is like, he wanted out and I don't respect, I guess the way he did it, but I like all the stories coming from it. That's really the only thing. It definitely is entertaining.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's got a
1: big, big entertainment factor, but yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I mean, if I was a Timberwolves I definitely didn't want him in the locker room anymore either. So Jimmy got what he wanted. Minnesota got what they wanted maybe. Uh, we could discuss that trade.
0: Yeah, I think um I think more than the the return that they got specifically in players and picks uh, it's they just needed to get Jimmy out of there. Um and I think that'll be a big boost for their team emotionally and mentally, especially their young players. Um but speaking of the return, I thought it was decent. Um, You're never going to get a fully fair return. I was texting you guys about this the other day. When you're trading a disgruntled star that everyone knows needs to be traded, you're not going to get a fair return. You're not going to get you know someone as good as Jimmy Butler back. But what they did get was um, ultimately what they needed back in return was a starting wing, and they got that. And they have Bobby Big Dick, as they call him, is a – Bobby
1: Portis ain't on that team.
0: (laughs) Robert Covington is a live down (laughs) perimeter defender and uh, a theoretically good three-point shooter. And uh, Super Dario gives them some some front court depth. But uh, there's no way they make the playoffs without Jimmy, right?
1: I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. Like you said, the addition of Robert Covington, I think, is going to be overlooked by just like casual NBA fans. but. I think we got to remember last year he was an all defensive first team player and like that's what he specializes in his defense and that's something that Minnesota does not have at all. Carl Anthony Towns might be the worst defensive center in the league, and that's the one problem I have with them getting Saric in the deal. He is a big defensive liability too. So if you have both of them on the court at the same time, it's just going to be. It's, it's going to be a feast down low for the opposing, you know, big men and power Dude, forwards, whatever. It's going to be barbecue chicken. But uh, offensively, though, I mean, Sarage provides a good amount of value. I know he's been cold to start the season, but this is a historic thing since he's been in the league. Like, I don't know what it is. He's even, I think, talked about it this year in an interview saying how – the first month, month and a half, he's always just in a slump. And I don't know if it's from him. I think he does some stuff overseas instead of like training with the team during uh, the off season. But I I don't know. I I think we give him a, you know, give him a month and he should be back to like the, the double, almost double, double nightly Sarge with a decent three point shot.
2: I think Sam, you said there's no way the wolves make the playoffs without Jimmy. I think there was no way they were going to make the playoffs with Jimmy. I think they have a much better chance now. Obviously not like on paper, they got worse, but in the locker room and just unlocking the potential of, of Towns and Wiggins allows them to at least have a shot. And I think the, this was going to be one of my bold predictions in the first podcast that we did, but then we didn't do bold predictions because Sam didn't want to, even though he told us (laughs) that we were going to, But I was going to say that I think the Eastern Conference is going to be better than the Western Conference this year.
1: Okay, now.
2: Now, obviously, the Warriors are way better than any other team. And I think the West is deeper, so it's still going to be harder to to get into the playoffs for the Wolves than it would be in the East. Um, But I think, again, depending on what Jimmy's going to be like as a teammate on the Sixers and – Kyle you were talking about his time with the Bulls I mean obviously it wasn't to this extent but he seemed like he wanted out of there by the end of it too so I don't know I just have lost confidence in that I'm not confident that he's a terrible teammate either but so we'll see what happens there but I think you can make the case that like the top five in the East or numbers two through five maybe in the East are better than the West Um, so I I think the Wolves have a better chance of sneaking into that 7 or 8 seed now if Towns can get back to his, his self of you know 25 and 12 a game. And maybe Wiggins will occasionally have a good game. <laughs> like I'm not a big 12. Wiggins fan, but without Jimmy, maybe he'll try to get his act together.
0: Yeah, I think that, I mean, certainly in the West – it's wide open for the last few playoff spots. I mean, you could say that there's probably 12 teams that could make the playoffs. I mean, who would we really count out just the Suns, the Mavericks, and maybe the Kings, even though they're above 500 right now. I think those are the only teams I would count out for sure. Out of the playoffs. Grizzlies. Then, huh?
1: Although they're, I mean, they they they're catching
0: their right stride. Kindly and Gasol. And that still means something. I think last time, I don't know. I mean,
1: I think, though, I think what you said about um, Carl Anthony Towns, this is huge for him. With Jimmy Butler on the court, he was just, at least this season, especially with the tension that they had between each other, Jimmy just didn't look to Towns at all. So Towns didn't have any chance on offense. But now it's going to come down to basically Towns being the focal point. And I mean, obviously, they're playing um, Brooklyn tonight, who gives up monstrous games to centers every night, but he's at 2020. He's got a, he's got a Barbara Walters game already going with (laughs) With
0: Barbara Walters.
1: (laughs) The 2020 show, whatever that was that she ran, you know, Uh, but yeah, I think what we see the rest of the way now for them is Carl Anthony Towns averaging, like you said, at least 20 and 12 the rest of the way. And I mean, Derek Rose somehow is still a star in this league. And you might argue that it might be his team now. I don't know. (laughs) Who's to say? I would never argue that, but
0: uh, (laughs) you just did. Uh, So I will say that maybe Carl Anthony Towns is just not ready to win yet. Um, I know that's kind of like a cliche sports talk person thing to say, but could it just be that he is supremely gifted but doesn't have that extra thing to be consistent every night in winning, you know? I mean, we've seen players like that before.
1: I think it really comes down to Thibodeau and that he's just a terrible coach, whether people like it or not. I mean, he's all about defense, supposedly, and they're the worst defensive team, one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And it's like you have Tyus Jones, who barely gets any playing time, and the team – Statistically, is better with him on the court over Jeff Teague and what's his name, Koji. He's been great for them in the limited time that he's played. When both like Teague and Butler have sat out, and he's got extended run defensively. He's much better to be on the floor for them, and he's shown that he can add peripheral stats as well as some scoring too. So, I think a change in a change in coaching is would be a big deal for the for the Wolves going the rest of the way. I think we're going to look back on this early
2: career for Carl Anthony Towns similarly to how we look at Anthony Davis's career and just Mm -hmm. the way the Pelicans didn't really make any smart moves early on to surround Davis with the right kind of talent. And yeah, like as you look through that roster, it's like you want Tyus Jones, maybe Covington and Saric now for the future. And then everyone else, I'm like, we need to get rid of, they need to get rid of Wiggins, especially on that contract, which is going to be impossible. Um, Gorgie mm-hmm. Jang is like, okay. Gibson is old. Rose is old, maybe having a little bit of revival, but I
0: don't really trust that. I think Rose is younger
2: than Steph Curry. Well, his knees are old.
0: That's for sure. <laughs> his Curry. knees are older than Steph Curry, though.
2: Uh, hmm. So, it, yeah. I agree with you. Tibbs needs out of there and hopefully the Timberwolves will figure out something going forward so that Towns will be able to blossom into who what his potential has what we've seen his potential to be, just like Davis is doing now. And it, it might even be too little too late for Davis to stay in New Orleans or for the franchise to stay in New Orleans too.
0: Yeah. I don't uh I- we think that Tom Tittle was gone before next season?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, if the front office is competent at all.
0: What if they make the playoffs?
2: Still should be I gone. I mean, if Dwayne Casey can get fired after winning Coach of the Year, they, <laughs> <laughs> they should fire Tim's even <laughs> if, you know, if he makes the playoffs.
1: Um, I think we sh- should talk about the other side of this, though, too, with Butler minutes. going to Philadelphia. Sorry for stealing your thunder.
0: <laughs> no, you stole my 76ers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh yeah go ahead say what you please
0: uh yeah well they obviously they basically swapped covington for jimmy which is a huge upgrade um i mean Bobby's not a bad player but he did not make shots in the playoffs and it was just he just kind of folded in the playoffs when i was watching i know that jimmy will come through for them in the playoffs um they didn't have to give up Fultz, or perhaps Minnesota didn't want yeah. Fultz after <laughs> this season. I'm not sure. Uh, I watched a free throw that he took today where he uh, double-clutched it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he double-clutched a free throw. like He was like nervous about the first movement that he made. Something you got to fake him out. <laughs> um, so the question I, I would have is he's going into – kind of an eerily similar situation with two young franchise players. Now, I realize that Embiid and Simmons are much better than Wiggins and Cat, or at least Simmons is much better than Wiggins. Um, but, And I think that they are – they seem more um, – what do I want to say? Focused or they have a better attitude. I don't know, but I think they may – respond to Jimmy's toughness better, but it is still interesting to see how they will respond to someone who's, you know, clashed with two similarly young players before. So that'll be interesting to see, I think. Yeah. I think
2: the Sixers have a higher ceiling now and people are just assuming Joel Embiid is going to be healthy. And, I mean, maybe he will be, but I'm still a little bit nervous about that with his track record. And we'll maybe we'll talk about some of the other teams later, but I would still pick Toronto for sure over the Sixers at this point. And, again, we'll see how Jimmy integrates into the team and how those personalities clash. And, you know, if in a month he's saying, like, why isn't Ben Simmons trying to develop
1: his jump shot? You know, I don't know. I I think this is a great pickup for Philadelphia personally. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but yeah, definitely. um, Yeah. Okay. Glad we agree. Um, Obviously getting some type. I mean, you got JJ Reddick as a veteran for leadership and stuff. And obviously there's stories about how great of a teammate he's been And I think bringing in – I mean, um, my God, Jimmy Butler brings, you know, equivalent defense to what Covington provided, a little more offense. And it just – I think it benefits the Sixers defensively a lot more having uh, Wilson Chandler shift from the bench to he should be in the starting five now. And that just – when they have all those players on the floor together. Wilson Chandler's a very underrated defender himself, I feel like. And you know, you don't need when you have Embiid, Butler, and Simmons, you don't need two other players that can create offense. Obviously it's great, but Wilson Chandler is gonna be able to help lock down defend lock down, you know, other other teams offensive on the offense. I can't talk right now. But um <laughs> Yeah, I told you guys as soon as this happened that I think this really increases their chances if they make the finals against the Warriors, that this helps them take that series, possibly seven games. You have, like I said, the defensive end is the biggest thing when it comes to the Warriors. If you could slow them down at all, then you're going to have obviously more of a shot than if you can't slow down anyone. So. I, I don't know I just think like you said this increases their ceiling immensely and their floor has been increased as well and I just don't see them finishing outside of the top three in the east
0: yeah I think
2: it's i think it's overall a good trade for them probably for this year at least but I'm just thinking like if I were a sixers fan like if the Celtics had made this trade and they traded like Marcus Morris and Jalen Brown. For Jimmy Butler, I would be disappointed. And I well, think... I think Jerry
0: Brown is much better than Dario or Robert, though.
2: Yeah, I right. agree. Okay. Be
0: I don't, more know. Like I don't Marcus, know what the equivalent would be. Marcus Smart. I'd probably be like Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris, maybe.
1: I don't know. Yeah. No, Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart, I'd say. Yeah.
2: I'd rather have... I'd rather stay pat with either those two Celtics players than roll the dice with messing up my locker room and plus it's the whole thing like is he going to resign next year Uh, maybe they had a wink wink that he's going to but I'm just nervous for them long term with they had this beloved team by the fans and it was all homegrown and didn't seem to be any problems with egos and just based on the way he acted on the Timberwolves I'm very nervous that that's going to be disrupted And we're going to look back at this in a couple of years and feel like, wow, they really went for it that year, didn't work out. And now it's
1: jeopardized their future. I think you're looking at it with a lot of recency bias, though, based on just this past year in Minnesota. But yeah, that could be. I think
0: that, you know, when you say you wouldn't want the Celtics to trade for him, I think the difference between the Celtics and the 76ers, and maybe their record doesn't quite reflect that right now, but. I think that the 76ers feel that they're maybe a rung below the Raptors and the Celtics in the, in the East and that they needed one more piece to vault into that chance to get to the finals, or at least that's the way I felt. And Mm -hmm. worst case scenario, Butler leaves after this year, you don't have to pay him an Albatross contract and you gave it a shot to make the finals this year. Um, and I don't think that they gave up anything huge. I don't think Dario is going to be a star. And I don't think, I think we know who Robert Covington is already and they didn't go up faults who is their prized young player who can't shoot a basketball. So
1: <laughs> 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 it's crazy that you got two of them on your team. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think for, I think basically what it was, was, you know, a shot, another lottery ticket to get into the finals and, And that ticket could be gone next year, but I think they're okay with that. So
1: I think we move on.
0: I think we do. Uh, Which one of you guys wants to name one of your teams first?
1: Go ahead, Seth.
2: So we were assigned the task of picking three teams that we wanted to talk about. Obviously uh, the Celtics are one of my teams. I would like to spend 99% of the time talking about them and divide my last 1% on the other two teams. Um, (laughs) But I do have a very bold statement based on my own
0: personal history coming up for one of the other teams. So look forward to that. Um, All of our five listeners are literally on the edge of their seat right now. (laughs) I know. Waiting with bated breath. Um, So the
2: Celtics have had a disappointing start to the year. Mm Mm-hmm. We're 7-6 and currently, which is the same record as the Sacramento Kings. (laughs) Uh, However, I think there's definitely an optimism to be had. Uh, We're still integrating Gordon Hayward into the offense. I think he's hopefully slowly improving and getting back to his usual form. But my take right now is that they need to be using him less and they should bring him off the bench i think so i was thinking about this right every team is trying to be like the warriors so if you compare kind of go down the line with the warriors top players and the celtics top players Kyrie needs to be like steph and i think tatum needs to be like durant they need to be their two go-to scorers who they rely on in clutch moments and then Hayward needs to be clay and Horford needs to be Draymond. Now the problem you might say is that all four of those Celtics players are worse than their corresponding player on the, on the Warriors definitively.
0: <laughs> but that's just the Warriors baby. <laughs> <laughs> no. um,
2: so I think they need to rely more and more on Tatum and it is maybe surprising because it's his second year and Hayward has all of this pedigree of success in the past, but I think that's just where they're at and we need to ease Hayward back into form and Tatum needs to be the one with the ball in his hands, you know, him and Kyrie towards the end of the games. So I like what they're doing sometimes mixing up the lineup, even down the stretch. And you'll see Marcus Morris, Marcus smart in there with a minute left um, oftentimes they'll sub in smart in for Kyrie on defensive possessions after a free throw or whatever, which I think is good. But, and I, I mean, in Brad we trust, but I think True. he needs to, if if I were him and I'm sure he knows better than me, but I take since I'm not an NBA coach, believe it or not, is that I'd be increasing Tatum's usage and maybe bring Hayward off the bench having him bring like a spark of scoring uh, in the second, with the second unit and hopefully gain some of his confidence and mojo back. I remember listening to some podcasts and they were talking about like even in the off season when he was recovering after his second surgery, he played one-on-one with Bradley Beal and he beat Beal like five times in a row. <laughs> and Brad's like, all right, I don't know what y'all are seeing, but Gordon is definitely ready to play. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like he needs some of that confidence and he just really hasn't looked like any sort of dominant force. And I mean, he's been making the right plays and passing and hitting some open threes, but so there's definitely glimpses of hope, but that's my take on the Celtics so far, but I think ultimately we'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. I have several things to say based on what you said. Uh, so you listed all the Celtics players. Yeah. Um, next to all the Warriors players, but what the Warriors don't have is the Jalen Brown.
2: Yeah, um, the depth for kind of, sure. I mean, both Marcus's too and Rozier, like the Warriors don't have that's
0: that. kind of the X factor is, Jaylen, what if Jalen Brown's the next Paul George, you know, and you have him on your bench. Uh, so that's where they can't match you. Um, the other point I want to make is, I haven't really heard people talk about this at all, but are we worried that Gordon Hayward will never be the same as he was?
1: I'm not deep down, I am, I,
2: <laughs> but I'll never admit it to myself.
0: I rep,
1: I rep the butt till the day I die. So Jimmy the butt Butler or otherwise. No Butler university, baby go dogs.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you that, that they need to ease him back a little more and play him a little less. Uh, he doesn't, looks very tentative going to the hole. He looks very tentative in traffic and rebounds getting rebounds. Um I mean to be under I mean you can understand that if your foot almost fell off you too would be a little tentative in traffic. Um <laughs> especially on the highway. But, uh, so I'm gonna say something that might sound stupid, but you know how I like to sound stupid on this podcast. Um do the Celtics have too many good players? That sounds stupid. Whoa <laughs> uh and what I mean by that is is do they all know their roles or do they want to be more? Like I just mentioned Jalen Brown might be the next Paul George, but he's their fourth or fifth option. Uh, Terry Rozier could be a starting point guard for, I would say, at least half the teams in the league, and he does not get the minutes that he probably wants. So will that be a problem?
1: I, I don't want to say it'll be a problem because obviously – like Seth said in Brad, we trust. So I expect him to figure out kind of the perfect uh, usage of all the players. And like you said, having Gordon back this year, it's a lot different. Um, You know, he didn't play at all last year. Yeah, he had an off season prior to last year to kind of get acclimated, but really sitting on the sidelines for a whole year, doesn't develop chemistry so like Seth said we it might be worth it to send him to the bench and come off the bench as much as I would hate to see that but at least for now it might be something that they need to do and I think Jason Tatum is gonna just be a star in this league uh he's shown the offensive ability to pretty much I don't want to say Kevin Durant-esque but He's shown the offensive ability to be Kevin Durant esque. I feel like, at least that's my opinion. So, uh, I think within the next year, maybe two years max, this becomes Jason Tatum's team over Kyrie, over Hayward, over mm-hmm. Jalen Brown. It, it's just going to be his team. And I think having Brad Stevens as a coach and the offensive ability of Kyrie Irving to learn from, and you know Al Horford's basketball mind to learn from. The sky's the limit for Tatum.
0: Yeah, Seth. Any closing thoughts on your team?
2: The other thing is, I just think our shooting will improve. Right now, Tatum's only shooting forty-one percent from the field. Gordon's shooting thirty-nine percent. Rozier thirty-eight point five. So, I think that's a lot of it. You know, I'll turn on the game and be third quarter and it's like, no oh, Celtics are shooting 32% from the field today. And then we're down by 15 points and have to make these comebacks. And that's just, it's draining emotionally and physically. So I think some of this will be regression to the mean where we'll start shooting like are really, we're really capable of and that we should be based on our talent. And I'm hoping it's just kind of early season, rust or jitters or figuring out you know when to take the shot and when to pass it up and i do think i mean those guys you mentioned they're still playing 25 minutes a game you know rosier morris smart so i think they'll be all right and they they get it and they my impression is they care more about the team right now now maybe in the off season yeah. when they'll have a chance to be a starting player on another team they'll take that but my impression is for right now They get where they're at, and no one seems too disgruntled. Mm
0: -hmm. Is anyone completely gruntled, though?
2: Hard to say. When they're 7-6, and (laughs) probably not.
0: (laughs) All right, Kyle, who's your first team you want to talk about?
1: We're going to take it to the Mile High City, baby. Let's Hmm. talk about Denver. Uh, Really, the only reason I wanted to talk about Denver was because I found out very recently that on top of the nickname for Nikola Jokic being Joker there is supposedly another nickname for him where he is called Big Honey who in the hell refers to Nikola Jokic as Big Honey I know you said you do what did you say what was your response to that it was like when you whisper sweet nothings into his air at night or something like that I don't know but either way this looks like a much improved team uh, defensively and there's just so much so much potential for output from different offensive output from different players as well uh, obviously we know Jamal Murray's always had that ability at least I've thought so since he's come into the league and he's shown it like the other night when I think it was it him and Kyrie just were going at it and Jamal dropped like 48 mm. or something. Yeah,
0: I actually saw the end of that game uh, while he's almost ill it. in my hotel bed. And uh, he just got, he just was scoring at will. He would just drive three defenders, put it up, make it. He scored 48, uh, tried to take a last second shot for 50 and Kyrie got pissed and threw the ball into the stands.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but so that's what I'm saying. Like they have so much... You know, so many ways to go about a game. You can go, you know, if Jamal Murray's feeling it, then it's going to be the Jamal Murray show. Gary Harris has the ability to drop 35, 40 any night too. And if nothing's going for those guys, then you have your fallback guy in Big Honey to just <laughs> completely take over a game and drop a triple-double whenever he wa- whenever he wants, it seems. It's just, there's just so many different opportunities on that team that he doesn't have to do that every night and I think also the addition of Monte Morris coming off the bench what is this his second year I think Uh, I could be wrong but um, defensively he might make the NBA first team defensive team if he gets the you know if he averages 25 minutes a night and he has three-point ability as well and He's shown that he can contribute in different, you know, other categories, steals, sometimes blocks. And I just think I have them right now, based on the first part of the season that we've seen being a top three team in the West.
0: So why do we think that suddenly they're elite defensively? Do we think it's because Paul Millsap is is healthy? Do we think that? Jokic has improved it all on the defensive end. Do we do we see a reason for that, and do we think it's sustainable?
1: Mm. Seth, you got any thoughts while I quickly look up some stats?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would imagine that Milsap probably helps some. I could also see them regressing a little bit defensively. I do, however, think they'll sustain it enough. To be yeah, top three seed in the West, especially with the Rockets fall from grace so far. Again, very early in the season still, but I would say the the Nuggets are a favorite to be top two or three in the West.
0: So we do think we do think this is for real. We think they're one of the
1: three best teams in the West. Yes.
0: I just don't know yet. I just don't know
1: so currently they're the uh they're the 5th rate, rated team in defensive efficiency and like you said I don't really know what is that that different like i said Monte Morris i think is highly underrated defensively for the casual nba fan and i think that helps a lot having him having the ability to bring him off the bench and kind of shut down uh, opposing point guards and shooting guards. So I, I don't know. They look like they're working much better as a team too. And it might be that Paul Millsap's healthy because it's not like Paul Millsap's dropping double-doubles every night like the Millsap of old. So maybe it has to do with him being healthy, but I, the team is just functioning at a very high efficiency, both offensively and defensively and without really – digging into it I couldn't tell you specifically why but I could do that for the next NBA podcast for sure Miami. I think
0: that I think that part of it too could be that their starting guards are very young Jamal and Gary are young and, and with- <laughs> I
2: was about to say the same exact what? thing
0: <laughs> Yeah it's like- here, I mean, you just naturally get better at defense because you get used to the league and what, what it takes to be a good defender in the NBA. So I think that could be just a natural part of Yeah, it. I feel
2: like a lot of the top teams, the, the top guards, offensive guards in the league, like Curry and Harden and Kyrie, really are a minus defensively. But I think Murray, Harris, and especially Barton, too, are solid defensive players. And so they can hide... I mean, Jokic is better than you would think for someone with his stature and size. And he moves pretty fluidly. He's still probably slower and, you know, one block a game. So I guess that's solid rim protection, but I think you can hide him a little bit when you have such solid defensive guards and wings.
1: So very quickly, I just looked into this, uh, and I can't wait to read this fully after the podcast, but The Ringer actually put out an article, uh, how the Nuggets are transforming their once terrible defense. I'll send it to you guys. And maybe we could post a link in the uh, caption for our five listeners if they're so uh, intrigued. I don't know to if read. our five
0: listeners know how to like, <laughs> use links.
1: I mean... Nah, they, they probably don't. But so... From first glance at this, uh, basically what they're talking about is after missing the playoffs last year by that one game, um, the coaching staff kind of just went back to the drawing board and said, "What do we need to do to improve defensively?" And the first thing everyone said was, "We got to start with our star player, Big Honey." And so that's
0: what they said at the <laughs> meeting, actually.
1: Yes, that's exactly what they said. Um, and so they worked with him all off season. And last year, defensively, on the pick and roll, he was one of the worst defenders. But so far this year, he is, I think, top five uh, big men defending the pick and roll. So he's transformed kind of his defensive mindset and the way he goes about different play types when it comes to defending um, different plays. So that's got to be the biggest thing, I, I feel like. Like I said, it's Jokic's team, and... Offensively, he could do basically whatever he wants, and now with him being able to actually help on the defensive end, it's just hard to stop stop offensively and hard for other teams to score on.
0: Kyle, I must say that your in podcast live research is astounding.
1: Thank you. It's what I'm known for, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: everyone, remember at thirty-eight twenty, I'm
1: taking a- wholeheartedly agree.
0: Did we just have some good podcast content while I was peeing? We might have. All right. I'm going to start with the Hawks. You guys ready? Go. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to start talking about my first team on my list, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, The reason I put them on the list was mostly actually because I got to see them in person last week uh, while I was in Atlanta. Uh, So I'm going to really take you through the game and how they looked. Really, it'll be like you guys were in the stadium yourselves.
1: First, explain to me the the court it, or the stadium itself cuz i'm pretty sure they just went over through renovations and it's like yes one of the nicest stadiums in the league
0: so pretty new stadium the seats were the comfiest seats i've ever been in my life i swear to god mm. um mm. the the arena is very nice uh aesthetically pleasing uh lots of big food there was like a food court area where you could sit down and eat which was nice um mm. so the stadium was half full at best. Uh, wow. the cheapest tickets were $18. Oh my God. I splurged for a seat near the court and it was like $50. Um, two chains was in the building though. So that was nice. to see. Hey. Uh, oh. So during warmups, I watched Trey young solely take very deep threes. Like honestly, like on the logo while his other teammates were taking normal shots. Uh, he missed both most of them. So at that point, <laughs> at that point I knew he was going to go off. Uh, he had zero points at halftime. <laughs> uh, he, I think, he finished with like fifteen, so not terrible, but most of that was in garbage time. Um, Frankie Smokes just locked him down. They were playing the New York Knicks, and Dude, Frankie Smokes,
1: Frankie, Frankie Nicotine,
0: and don't you mean the New York Knickerbockers? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's so. Basically, what happened was Frankie would pick him up full court every possession, um, and then. Every pick and roll he ran, they would trap him with two players. And he just, he didn't turn the ball over much, but he really couldn't do anything offensively, which mm-hmm. they don't have any other good players. So that was a pretty solid strategy, I think. <laughs> but yeah, Frankie shut him down. I mean, that's to be expected from a future first, uh, all NBA first team defender. Um, so let me just go over the game a little bit here. Uh, Atlanta got a traveling violation just trying to bring the ball up on their first possession. So that was nice to see. Uh <laughs> oh my gosh, during one of the breaks in the game, they played a game on the court with fans, you know, when there's like a TV time. Yep. And the game was that they would ask a question and it was a number question where your answer should be a number, and then the contestant would guess, and then the other contestant would say higher or lower, right? And it was for like a gift card or whatever bullshit it was. So <laughs> the question was how many all time wins does the Hawks franchise have, right? And <laughs> this lady deadass answered 12. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she other, got the gift card? The other contestant was like, uh, higher? <laughs> <laughs> no, it turns out the actual answer was like 2020, so. <laughs> she was close. Yeah, so that was great to see. Um, So the game was pretty even most of the time. The Knicks went up big in the third, actually. But then in the fourth, dare I say, Mason Plumley himself lit a fire in the heart of Atlanta, really brought the team back. <laughs> He's is uh, the third Plumley that you never think about, by the way. Uh, and I think about the
2: other two so often. So
0: Exactly. Um, also in the fourth quarter, uh, stuffed cows parachuted from the roof. So that was interesting. Um,
2: wow. Stuffed cows?
0: I got to go to a Hawks game. <laughs> yeah, I just looked up, and there were just cows and parachutes dropping all over the place. Um, also, I would like to mention that at one point near the end of the game, the scoreboard said that Dwayne Dedman had 95 points, so uh, which was accurate. So he wasn't dead, man. <laughs> which was accurate. <laughs> so the Knicks ended up winning by three, which you know you would expect from a playoff-bound team like that. Uh, <laughs> Timmy, who's hard I am, Hardaway Jr., dropped 34 <laughs> uh
1: go off the rails
0: <laughs> so basically what i saw with the hawks is um Trey young Trey young definitely has something uh i think if you
1: gave him Hair? that's not it but go ahead
0: <laughs> i think if you gave him a nice pick and roll option a nice big man to run the pick and roll with he would be a lot better he's definitely has some passing some passing chops for sure
1: you mean someone like dare i say john collins
0: yeah, something like that, but if they're actually good.
1: John Collins is good. He's just been injured. Yeah, I know.
0: Um, well, in this game, Amari Spellman was a leading scorer with 18 points, so that's always nice to see. Uh, but I think that Trey will always be a defensive liability. Um, they they posted him up basically any time they had the chance to, and he would either follow them or they would get an easy basket. Um, but if you could tell me, could he be 80% of Steph Curry? I think I think the answer is yes, he could be. Um mm. Uh, Tarion, Tarion Prince, someone give me his first name, Torian, Torian Prince. Uh, He's a dog, man. He was great to watch. He, (laughs) he just looks like he's playing at a faster speed than everyone else. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was fun to watch. I think if you build around those two players, John Collins comes back and then their pick next year, you have something. Uh, Is it a good NBA basketball (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. But it's something.
1: Yeah, I have no, nothing else to say besides I think this might be the Torium Prince breakout season. But other than that, uh I think you kind of hit it all on the head. I'm glad you gave us a recap of one game. Hopefully,
2: <laughs> hopefully the Hawks will get some more fans to fill up that stadium. I mean, what was it you said inflatable cows?
0: Uh they were not inflatable, unfortunately. They were already inflated. Uh <laughs> But they did parachute down from the ceiling. I don't really don't know how Deflatable, they did that. Then? They like they like opened up holes in the ceiling and these cows just parachuted down. I really don't understand it, but
1: people threw them out. They have people in the rafters. It's like at the Bulls game when they throw stuff out. Oh. Alright. What's next?
2: <laughs> I guess we're back <laughs> to my next team, huh? Hugging? Yep. So the San Antonio Spurs, I've two things to say. One of them shocking. First thing DeMarco is Demarzo Ramson is
1: who we thought he was well that wouldn't be
2: shocking (laughs) however it does involve demar derozan so the first thing is that greg popovich is the greatest coach in nba history yep and there's definitive proof of that and that proof is that demar derozan is good oh my god you heard it here first he's been converted now i've been a long time doubter of demar derozan because I felt like all he did was shoot mid-range or long jumpers, shoot twos, and hardly made any of them. But this year, he's shooting 50%. So, can't argue with that. I love that the Spurs just zig when everyone else is zags. And they're saying, okay, everyone's just jacking up a bunch of threes. Well, we're going to just take good quality shots, shoot a high percentage from two, and play good defense and hope that that's enough. And so I've been enjoying watching DeMar play. I mean, I don't think he's a star, you know, someone who's going to be in the MVP conversation ever, but I think he's playing like an all-star. And I think I think this Spurs tra- strategy just might work.
0: Yeah, so when in our playoff prediction podcast, I had said that I think they're going to make the playoffs because – they have pop, and they have two top twenty players, and I think I think mean, that means something. That means a lot, um, and I still think they'll they'll sneak into the playoffs. And I think that Demar has shown more playmaking ability than I thought he really had in him. Um, they don't have, I believe, I last time I checked, they don't have a point guard with the pulse. So he's been <laughs> he's been doing a lot of the of the ball handling the the pick and roll running and he's had a couple of games with double digit assists and it's been nice to see that part of his game that wasn't unlocked in Toronto where he obviously had Kyle Lowry running the show there so
1: yeah I think this season has been great so far for DeRozan as well Um, like you said he's kind of he's he's the he's the man right now I mean you got LaMarcus Aldridge who's you know, putting up double-doubles every other night. But DeRozan, we've never seen him be a ball distributor like he has been so far. And surprisingly, I just looked up, he is the 35th-ranked player when it comes to defensive win shares. So it's like how, how well a player is at defending their opposing player, which is even Rudy Gobert is listed after him. So he's actually been a better defensive player than Rudy Gobert has so far this season. Wow! And if he can keep that up and if the Spurs can keep that up, they, they're they definitely making the playoffs. And I wasn't sure that was going to happen, but the way it looks now, um, and, and now they got Derek White back, who also defensively is a big boost for that, for their uh, defensive unit. So uh, I don't know. There's really nowhere else for them to go but up, I feel like. And it's kind of strange to say.
0: Yep. And I won't watch any of their games if I can hope if I can avoid it, since I don't like watching teams put up mid ranges all game. Uh, Kyle, you want to go with your second team?
1: Uh sure. So let's go down to the capital and talk about the Washington Wizards. Mm. Absolutely putrid. (laughs) It's disgusting. No other way to say it. I have no clue what the hell is happening down there. The signing of Dwight Howard might have been equally as bad as the Houston signing of Carmelo Anthony. I don't think he really fits that team whatsoever. I think a lot of it also has to do with Scott Brooks is just a a terrible coach in the same sense that Tibbs is a terrible coach. And I think – John Wall summed it up perfectly when he said that they asked him, how can the season be saved (laughs) or what can be done to save the wizard season? And his response was, Harry Potter is the only wizard that can save this team at this point. We're ass.
0: (laughs) I don't know if honestly Wall, took, the words,
1: I don't took know, the words right out of my mouth. I don't
0: know if John Wall is listening to this podcast, but that's definitely something any of us would have said. <laughs> I have John Wall.
1: I got John Wall right here. He's listening in. Oh, okay. Hey, John. <laughs>
2: honestly, I was not a John Wall fan, and then he said that,
1: and now he's one of my favorite players.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, but I, I don't really know what they're doing. They, they, Their best unit is when they run small ball with, like, Markeith at... At the five and Otto Porter at the four, and what's or not, and basically when their big men are off the floor. So, signing Dwight Howard just makes no sense unless you're going to try to go big. But even the couple games that Dwight's been back, it's been a shit show. So, yeah, and I, I thought they'd make the playoffs. I thought they'd, I think I said they'd be a top four, top five team in the East, but I don't know if they make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I predicted them not to make the playoffs, so I'm feeling pretty good today. Uh, I I think it's funny that last year they all hated each other, so and then they said, all right, you know what we should do? Let's add Dwight <laughs> he has been known to be detrimental to every locker room chemistry in the last seven years. Uh, so but you know, it turned out here- this is what you might expect, and they still all hate each other.
1: Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I think it was – um, I think they're playing chess by the signing of Dwight Howard in the sense that they figured, we all hate each other. Let's sign a player that everyone will hate, and we'll rally together to hate him. (laughs) I don't know, though. I don't know.
0: Um, I also love the fact that Dwight Howard had a butt injury, which is Dwight Howard thing.
1: (laughs) Dwight Howard was butt hurt for the first part of the season. (laughs) Um. Uh, that's all I have to say about the Wizards. There's nothing more. They're just their yeah. ass.
0: Let's move on to my second team, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. So they've been really fun to watch. One of my favorite league pass teams. Uh, they looked so. elite with a new pace and space system that Mike Budenholzer installed. Uh, Brooke Lopez had eight threes last night.
1: Did you see the threes he was making, I mean, though? These were step-back deep threes. No, the one I specifically that I keep going over in my mind is he pulled up probably seven feet behind the three-point line and just completely Kobe Bryant swished it where I don't even think it hit the net. Yeah,
0: I mean, the sentence Brooke Lopez hit eight threes last night would have been ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but, right, to this year, we're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense.
1: He's um, very, very quickly become the best three-point shooting big man in the league, and no one talks about it. We just did. True. And, That's why you need to listen babe. to this podcast. If you don't, tell your friends, all five of you that are listening.
0: He's really, uh, my um, coach Bud has really unlocked Giannis this year, uh, with, by surrounding him by four shooters. Surprise. We've never seen that work before, right? And, uh, <laughs> he's looking like an MVP this year. And I love, I just love his little scowl that he does. You know, every time he makes a little cute little move, you know, and he gives him a little scowl, He's <laughs> just so cute. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about this. Uh, talk about it. We have, we, You hear a lot of talk about new coaches. Oh, they've come in. They have better spacing. They're shooting more threes, and they have a faster pace. They have this pace and space method. You know, it's the Suns' new coach. It's Coach Bud. It's Nick Nurse in Toronto. Is it that the Mm -hmm. coaches that they replaced are too old school to realize this? I mean, the way to success seems to be we play faster, we shoot more threes, and every coach who does that gets lauded, and why – Why is not every coach doing that?
1: I think these coaches are just too stubborn to um, adapt to the current style of NBA. Like this is what we see in Minnesota. Tibbs won't adapt to what's happening around the league. And that's why this, that team is such trash right now, Mm. but you have these new coaches coming in and they have to fight for, to make a name for them. So I guess Bud doesn't really have to, because he's been in the league, but I mean, you're seeing it. It's like the equivalent of the NFL. And like, you probably don't know this term, but the new thing is the air raid offense. It's basically what Andy Reid's doing in Kansas City and what Matt Nagy's doing in Chicago and uh, Sean McVay's doing in LA. It's up pace style, keeping the other team basically off kilter the entire game and not knowing where something's going you know, the production is coming from. That's in the NFL sense, I guess. But for here, you know it's coming from Giannis. But at the same time, like you said, you surrounded him with four other people that could shoot. So if that shot's not there for Giannis, he's got four other options that he can go to. Yep. <laughs> Great points, Kyle. We're speechless. <laughs> I know. I dropped a bomb on you in my
0: bad, <laughs> Beth, what are your thoughts on the Bucs? I think uh... – my
2: prediction is they'll they'll finish top two in the East in the regular season. Wow. Um, but I think their lack of depth is going to hurt them in the playoffs when teams are just going to focus solely. I mean, most teams are probably doing this already, but when you're playing the same team over and over and they can game plan better um, over the course of one series to try to just stop Giannis and force everyone else to beat them. I think some of the teams like the Celtics, the Raptors, who we'll talk about in a second, and the Sixers, um, who have more depth, will have the edge over the Bucks in the playoffs. But definitely, I'm impressed with what Coach Bud has been doing. And, I mean, we knew that was going to be a huge coaching upgrade. And Giannis has been the best, you know, at least top two with Anthony Davis so far this season player in the league so wholeheartedly agree
0: alright let's move on Seth, who's your third the team? Toronto
2: Raptors featuring mm. Kawhi Leonard um, who honestly looks back to form uh, you know if you look at the two guys two star players who missed essentially the entire season last year with Kawhi and Gordon Hayward definitely envious of where Kawhi is at um,
0: well, Kawhi didn't nearly lose right. his foot. So,
2: and I think the Raptors are another one of those deep teams. You look at that where they got rid of Demar and upgraded to Kawhi, and got Danny Green to add that spacing as well because he's a knockdown three point shooter. They have Ananobi and Van Vliet coming off the bench. Um, Ibaka, please don't sleep on. Um- Pascal so I would never. I cuddle with him. I wouldn't sleep on him. He's Thank Lil you. Spoon. Thank
0: you. It's I was going to say, I was going to mention Pascal. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, he's a monster. He's like, he's like basically a Torian Prince was better. That's who possibly. Yeah. yeah, I've loved
1: watching him specifically on when I watched Toronto this season. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry no. So, I mean, so, I mean yeah. that just
2: speaks to what I'm saying about their depth. Ibaka has had some sort of resurgence. He's averaging 17 a game now uh-huh. um so i'm a little bit worried about the raptors i think i mean obviously early in the season it's been raptors and bucks at the top of the eastern conference i would say we have a four-team tier with indiana kind of peeking in as that fifth team but all things are looking good for Kauai and toronto so far
0: yeah, I was going to say about Serge, what unlocked him is they moved him to the five, which honestly, finally done a while ago, and that's really unlocked the best parts of his game, and he looks like, you know, and what's great, too, is if, if Serge isn't your third option, you know, if he's your fourth or fifth option, that's where he really shines at this part of the stage of his career, especially. So that's really, when he doesn't have to handle the brunt of the offense, that's when he's really unlocked, so It's been good to see that this year, especially since he's on my fantasy team. Um, uh, I was going to mention as well, the top four in the East is looking very interesting. I mean, if we come playoff time, we could have a second round where we have uh, (laughs) Toronto, Philly, Milwaukee, and, uh, and the Celtics all playing each other. Really? Four teams on one court. (laughs) <laughs> I'd be surprised if it didn't happen to be honest but that that's going to be very exciting to watch I'm looking forward to that yeah alright Kyle uh, who's your second or your third team now
1: my last team is the Houston Rockets mm. and we can talk about the disgrace that Mello Carmelo Anthony is um, <laughs> I mean I don't know if I mean, he I himself said
2: it- is a disgrace but he's certainly not a helpful basketball player to have on your team
1: I said it, yeah. I said it on the first NBA podcast we did. This was just a terrible signing. And lo and behold, they're finally realizing it, what, 20 games into the season or whatever, that it was a terrible signing. He adds nothing defensively. They got rid of two of their best defensive players just so they could get him. And it's like, what was that front office thinking that they thought they needed more offensive output on a team that has Chris Paul, Clint Capella, James Harden. Like, I mean, Trevor Ariza shooting threes too last year. It's like, I I can't fathom what some of these front offices in the NBA think. Like, Carmelo, I think, is making 30 mil this year just from signing with the Hawks and then going immediately to Houston. And it's like, he's about to get kicked off this team because of how bad he is.
0: Well, I wouldn't say... As some of the things you said, I mean, obviously he's not a, a helpful player right now, as Seth said, but he's, they're only paying him like $2 million, so it's not their its not their problem. And right. they're just going to waive him, as we just learned recently. So really, it was an experiment that only cost them $2 million. And it's not like they got rid of Luke Mute and Trevor Riza for him because they didn't trade him away for him or try to clear cap space for him because there's only $2 million. They just got rid of those guys because they didn't want the large contracts that those two were going to get. So, I mean, you can question those, you know, well, should they have just paid those guys? You can question that separately, but to me it was just an experiment that didn't work out. But I mean, I will agree with you that we all didn't think it would work out. Right. And um, they're finally going to be getting rid of the scourge of mellows dead corpse. So that should vault them right into the top of the West standings. I would imagine.
2: You know, I once peed in the same urinal as Carmel Anthony once peed in.
1: At the same time? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's. I mean, Mute I didn't have anything to say to that stuff. So <laughs> I was just so flabbergasted that I figured I'd just keep talking. Mbamute is only getting four mil this year. Yeah, that's So really, what's, bad what's bad. two mil? I'd rather pay two mil for Mute's defense than 2 mil for the corpse of Carmelo Anthony.
0: <laughs> He's a curse. You know, actually, the the next uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Pirates of the Caribbean 6, is called Curse of, uh, <laughs> of Carmelo. I don't know if <laughs> you guys have heard.
1: <laughs> curse of the Car- curmudgeon Carmelo? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought so. I don't have anything else. To say. I mean, it's I. I <laughs> they look terrible. They can't stop anyone defensively. James Harden's still doing his thing. Capella's still doing his thing. But if you can't stop a team by any means, I don't really know how you can compete for a championship. You can't.
0: Yeah, I think think they'll be in there in the thick of the playoff race. I think they'll still be a top four seed. But do you guys think they missed their window of championship contention? Was it just one Hmm. year?
1: Yeah, after getting rid of the players they got rid of, I think so. I agree.
0: All right, let's move on to my third team, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers of Anaheim. Kidding. They're not. <laughs> uh, legally, we have to talk about the Lakers on a sports talk podcast. Our hands are tied. Um, so I've watched a lot of Lakers this year, and I don't. LeBron just isn't trying. <laughs> and uh, we've seen this before. You know, we saw it in Cleveland last year when he was unhappy with the team. And what's funny is that he can kind of phone it in and get 27, seven and seven every night because he's the best player in the world. Um, but his defense has been awful at most times that I've seen. He doesn't, he doesn't help. He doesn't move on defense at all. He'll turn it up in the last couple of minutes if he needs to, but I want to see him step up and lead by example, especially on the defensive end. I mean, they have young players, young, long players who should be capable of playing <laughs> defense. And at some point you have to look at your best player and the best player of the world and, and say that he's responsible for showing these guys how to play defense and he's just not doing it. It's just, it's odd to watch. I mean, that being said, this team is so exciting to watch on offense. And yeah. one of my favorite league pass teams to watch in transition, they are incredible. Um, and it's also interesting in the half court to see that they have a few ball handlers besides LeBron. They have, Lonzo and Rondo and Ingram, who have all run pick and rolls successfully and who handle the ball a lot, and it's interesting to see that kind of unlock LeBron off the ball. And they had talked about doing that before the season. I didn't know if it was actually going to happen, but he is giving the ball up a lot. He's not pounding the ball and with the four shooters like he's been doing in Cleveland in past years. And it's fun to watch. And you know, with Rondo and Ball, he really has two players that are nearly on his court vision level. It seems so. It's been exciting to watch offensively. If they do not step up their defense, then I don't. I guess we say that about the same the LeBron's teams for the last three years. But boy, it's just it's tough to watch sometimes.
1: I've never seen him take this many defense, this many plays off on the defensive end before, though. Yeah, like I, I saw. A, I didn't watch the game. I think it was last night, but uh, I saw a clip. I think it was in the fourth quarter where he literally just watched his watches. Uh, watch whoever he was guarding run right past him and cut to the rim for an open open layup. He didn't even move. Right. No one moved. right. And they're playing. Uh, they're
0: they, were, they were playing the Hawks last night. So you know they can yeah. away with that and still win. But that's not going to fly when you're playing the top teams in the West.
1: No, I, I like you said. I, it's very strange to watch. I mean, we know LeBron turns it up in the playoffs every single year, and he's going to do what LeBron does, but he needs to have at least some type of effort on the defensive end during the regular season. If they want to make the playoffs.
2: I think, well, I mean, I try not to watch the Lakers because it hurts my soul, but (laughs) uh, my impression is LeBron is kind of feeling it out, getting to know his young players and trying to decide or, or discover what works and how he can best maximize their potential um, I think he should dial it. I mean, the the thing is like, why should he try? They're not going to win the championship now. And he's just kind of like, like I said, feeling it out for the future. But I think he will dial it up enough. If I were the Lakers, I would want to at least avoid being the eighth seed so that they don't have to lose in the first round of the playoffs to the Warriors. But I think they can probably LeBron could beat pretty much any other team in the West in the first round, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah. I th- I think what you said is pretty accurate in that they're obviously not winning this year, and next year when they sign either Kawhi, KD, or Jimmy Butler, this becomes a completely different conversation. But it's just like Sam said; it's hard to watch when the ball is not in the Lakers' hands. Yeah, I don't know if there's much more to say though.
0: There's nothing more to say. Thank you for offering. Um Thanks. <laughs> All right. So that's that's all of our teams. You guys have any final thoughts about the first part of the NBA season?
1: I am, think I'm gonna buy a Denver jersey it just says big honey on the back. <laughs> <laughs> he is a stogie boy, so there you go.
0: oh before we go, I did want to tell you guys a story that I needed to tell you. We can always cut it out of the podcast if we want. No no no. So okay, this is great. So picture this: I'm in the Atlanta airport, right? And uh, I have a little while before my plane takes off. So I say, okay, well, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a nice poop here. So I go to the bathroom. Uh, the only stall open is the handicap stall. So I go in there; lots of room. I uh, <laughs> I lay down my suitcase and I say, you know what? I might as well change while I'm in here. Because I'm wearing my work stuff, I want to be comfortable on the plane, so I lay out, I spread out my suitcase, take off all my clothes, I'm butt naked, right? Just socks. So then, um, I'm on the toilet doing my business, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I have my headphones in, so I can't really hear what's going on at all, Um, and then it's over, I stand up to wipe, I'm a stand-up wiper, you heard it here first. Yeah, you are, baby. And I have my headphones in, I'm just chilling, just wiping, Keep in mind, I'm butt ass naked. Uh, And then at some point, I don't know how long this was true for, but I, I turn around and the stall door is wide open. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even know how long it was open for. I just like felt a breeze and I just looked around and just everyone by the sink is just staring at me. I'm just.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You should have just turned to him and said, what, you don't air dry too? (laughs)
0: So, needless to say, I'm on I'm on some sort of airport list. I'm sure no fly, uh, no fly list.
1: Yeah, you're on TSA's watch list, 100. <laughs> yeah, what a huge airport Atlanta's airport is, though. Am I right?
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. Massive. And they all good, So <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: sounds I think- like
2: I I really need a book a flight to Atlanta. Great airport bathroom experiences. Yes, and they have. Cows falling from the ceiling
0: in the stadium. Exactly. What more could you want? Put that in (laughs) TripAdvisor. All right. So this has been our early NBA. uh, What is it? Our early NBA takes, you know? Our NBA takes
2: from the podcast that no one asked for, no one needed, and no one
0: deserved. Exactly. We pride ourselves on that. All right, boys. See you later. See ya. Peace.